we hired her to help us pack and to help us move those items from our condo to our storage unit. I get a phone call from my wife and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out, out of our house and move their stuff in. Called CSPD to find out what I could do about it, but by that time they had been there, I think two, three days and had established what they said was residency. And I could no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. Is your house your castle or just a place to hang your hat? It may be neither if someone has moved in and won't leave. In most states, squatters can move into your house while you're gone, claim it as their home, and police can't do anything about it. That could take years and will likely cost you thousands of dollars in legal fees. It gets even worse when someone replaces your deed with another that says you are no longer the home's legal owner. If they succeed, and sometimes they do, you're not only homeless, but you're still on the hook for the mortgage. Today we're talking about scams that can leave you homeless after squatters move in and ransack your home. And if you get a court to rule in your favor, the squatters may decide to burn your home to the ground before they leave. Yeah, that's happened. Sherry Tabuk was in her Austin home when a man knocked on her door and asked if she needed any yard work done. Turned out she did, and he went to work on a job that took several days. It didn't take long for the man to collapse, claiming he suffered heat stroke. He asked to sleep on the couch for a few days while he recovered. Days later, that man, Corey Looper, asked if his girlfriend, Sherry, could join them. Tabuk agreed, but only for a few days. Except it wasn't a few days. Looper and Sherry decided to move in for good. Tabuk called the cops and was told they couldn't do anything about it. She would have to go to court to evict them. When TV station KVUE got wind of it, they sent reporter Erica Proffer out to talk with the new tenants. Did you sign any lease? No. Why not? Uh, she never did provide one. Uh, the agreement was uh, this was going to be an investment property and uh, we could stay here until she sold it. Sherry says that's not true. She did want to lease the home, but not to them. We found Looper was evicted before in San Antonio. The landlord told us she bought a home, but Looper, a guest there, refused to go. When Sherry got to court this week, it took less than 30 seconds for the judge to grant Sherry possession. Clearly, squatters know the law better than homeowners, so they can pick their time and methods to get their foot and the rest of their belongings in the door. There are cases where someone has no intention of becoming a squatter, but the law still can't force them to leave. In Melbourne, Australia, a woman with no place to live asked to set up camp in a neighbor's front yard. The neighbor gave permission, but only for a few days. That neighbor didn't own the home, but was a renter. The now homeless neighbor and some of her friends moved into a tent, outfitted it with supplies, and refused to leave. The Australian version of the TV show, A Current Affair, talked with the woman who pitched the tent. Hello. Hi. Do you live here? Um, why? We just wanted to ask what this was. It's quite an impressive setup you've got here. What's with the TV? We're from Channel 9. Meet Heidi Withers, who's squatting on her neighbour's front lawn. Sort of just got stuck. Mm. Mm. So you're living out under a tarp here? Yeah. Is that legal? No, probably not. <laughs> so why are you doing it then? 
um, because we got evicted. That was almost three weeks ago and a promise she'd only be living on the lawn for three days. So have you got permission to stay here? No. Well, then why are you here? Because I didn't have anywhere else to go. Like, we sort of, it was a spare-of-the-moment thing. So it makes it okay just to set up on someone's property? No, it doesn't. With a good lawyer, you'll eventually get squatters off your property. But it will take time, and you'll have to find a place to live while the issue works its way through the courts. It takes even longer if the person you kicked out goes to jail and files a lawsuit against you, and a judge rules in his favor. Jack Cole lived in a dead woman's home in Colorado. When the family went to the woman's home to collect her belongings, they found a group of people living there. After a court fight, the people were evicted, but before leaving, they trashed the house. Cole filed the lawsuit and asked for around $400,000 for having his feelings hurt, mental anguish, and loss of social standing, which was surprising since he was in jail at the time. Since the family knew nothing about the lawsuit, they weren't in court, and Cole won a default judgment. The paperwork Cole generated to support his case was filled with discrepancies that went unnoticed by the judge and court staff. The family went back to court and asked the judge to reverse his ruling. On Scams and Cons, we promise to tell you how the grifter pulls off the scam. When it comes to home squatters, this is easy. They look around for an empty house or one where the occupants have been away for a while and move in. They live rent-free and enjoy all your home's amenities. If the squatters have a child, all the better for them because it's unlikely the utilities will be turned off and you'll be paying their utility bills. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But the easiest way to steal your home is to file paperwork that shows you surrendered the property and they get a new deed showing that they legally own the place. If you want to live the lifestyle of the rich and famous, you might do what one person did. Get the deed to Halle Berry's $4 million Los Angeles home. Police say a man fraudulently changed the deed and put his name down as the owner. Incredibly, police say he even hired a locksmith to come over and change the locks. The man accused of trying to steal Hallie's home, Ronald Griffin, was stopped by Hallie's housekeeper as he was getting the locks changed. He had the nerve to accuse the housekeeper of trespassing. Griffin is charged with procuring and offering a false warranty deed and petty theft. Get this, cops say he didn't even know it was Hallie's house. <sighs> I wish I were on a first-name basis with Hallie Berry. Oh, in your dreams. Being rich? Famous and living in a state that has effective laws to protect you certainly helps. But if you don't have those benefits, 
you'll be fighting alone. More than 15 years ago in Philadelphia, Mark Sedmek bought an apartment building. It sat empty for 16 months while it was being remodeled. According to the Philadelphia Daily News, one day when Sedmark checked on the building, he found it padlocked by the new owners, which surprised Sedmak because he hadn't sold it. City records showed that Ramon Brown, who claimed to be Sedmark's son-in-law, bought the place for a buck. That's a typical tactic when property is transferred among family members. Sedmick didn't know Brown, and that was definitely not his signature at the bottom of the D, even though it had been notarized. Brown quickly flipped the building to Leo Parks, who said he was Brown's brother-in-law. Prosecutors put together a grand jury to go after Parks on criminal charges. Sedmark had to go to civil court to reclaim his property at his own expense. If you want to go big time, you can falsify deeds on lots of homes, then rent them out as if they're yours. ABC News told the story of Shannon Lee, who worked in the Prince George's area of Maryland. She was scouting for homes ready for foreclosure. As a real estate agent, it was easy for her to get blank deeds, forge a lawyer's signature, and even notarize it. A trip to the courthouse later, and she was the legal owner. Lee broke into the homes, took photographs, and got the place ready to rent. It was also a way to acquire swanky properties for herself. Lee was found guilty of forgery and breaking and entering. She spent a total of 24 months in jail. Scamming someone out of their home is common. The con artist only needs to know the law and find an unoccupied house. Even deed insurance is unlikely to be of any value. In my research, those who have dealt with house stealing say title lock plans only monitor your title and alert you to any changes. Title insurance is different and recommended because it proves you have clear title to the property when you purchased it, and the company will protect you if that title is challenged. Once you sell the home, or it's stolen from you, title insurance can't help you. Now there's another way to steal a house. It's bizarre, but not uncommon. And it never succeeds. Your first step is to become a Moor, a group that believes it is a privileged class and is entitled to sovereign immunity. For those of you who haven't spent half your life watching Law & Order, sovereign immunity shields officials of other nations from U.S. laws. It primarily applies to diplomats, so they can go about their business without being harassed with petty offenses like crossing the street against the light. But if you are a Moor, you believe you can journey freely throughout a nation and never be subject to its laws. The Southern Poverty Law Center says, and I quote, they use this perceived immunity to justify refusing to pay taxes, buy auto insurance, register their vehicles, and to defraud banks and other lending institutions. Many Moorish sovereigns also profit by selling bogus registration, licensing, and insurance documents on websites promoting Moorish sovereign beliefs and doctrines. In several instances, this belief in immunity has led some Moorish sovereigns to initiate violent confrontations with law enforcement. End quote. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology 
behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. As self-perceived sovereigns that reject U.S. and state laws, they could decide that your home is now theirs. Now, if you think the idea of a moor taking over your home is far-fetched, then you should ask realtor Jordan Feinberg about it. He put a home in Bethesda, Maryland on the market for $6 million. One morning, he got a call from a neighbor saying there was a locksmith truck in the driveway and other unusual happenings. Here's what he told the Washington Post. They talk about this, you know, the original formation of the land and the zoning and the, the, the division of land was illegal. And there was a treaty in the 1700s that detailed all of these illegalities or whatever. And so that they actually are the rightful heirs of the property. And they use entrust and they use inheritance. And the documents that they wrote are, you know, like, I'm no lawyer, but they, you know, that you could kind of believe it. I mean, it was actually funny because I've been looking through some of these messages and the last email message where he said they were coming back to the property, I actually read it fairly closely. And it was kind of like a pleading in a legal case, like, you know, in the Moorish Republic versus, and it would say the United States of America, a for-profit corporation, the state of Maryland, a for-profit corporation, Montgomery County government, a for-profit corporation, Montgomery County Police Department, a for-profit corporation. It was crazy. The Post said nearly every state has reported similar schemes. In Seattle, one war recorded his process of reclaiming land he believed belonged to his people. He begins the video by pointing at the for sale sign in the front yard. The audio was recorded outdoors on a windy day and has been edited for time and clarity. Once you see that, that means, hey, you want it, it's yours. I want it, it's mine. We're the only people on this land that can have an loaded title and have any rights or claims to the land, so they are committing fraud and that's cheating our property. I'm about to start the process on reclaiming the land. And first I want to come in, make sure that, you know, it is completely vacant. And it seems to be pretty vacant. Of course, we're going to just walk on in because it is our land. I'm going to have to put my claims on it. There's little you can do to protect yourself from real estate theft but it may pay to have a good home security system. Intruder other. People get taken by a scam or con because they want to believe they can become richer, smarter, or more attractive to a partner. But because they were the mark, they never realized they were being scammed. They never saw it coming. What you can believe in is that a new episode of Scams and Cons is coming in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Hi. 
Hi, this is Amy and Vanessa from She Goes by Jane, where we shine light on the stories of missing and unidentified women. On November 7th, we're sharing Nahida's story for the first time in a podcast. And this is a story that I thought I knew, but after reading police reports, it became more complicated than I thought. When investigators are called to Nahida Khatib's house, everything looks fine. Her purse is on the kitchen table, her cup of coffee is on the counter, and her two-year-old niece is in her playpen. The only thing amiss? Nahida is missing. Every week, we feature a poem written in honor of the person we're talking about. This week, we're joined by one of our favorite actresses. You might know her from Sister Act or King of the Hill or The Descendants. But if you're like us, you'll know her from Hocus Pocus. She's the much-beloved Kathy Najimy. Join us November 7th to hear Nahida's story.